On this episode of the Automotive Talent Show podcast, we discuss with our guest relationships and mentoring, focusing on the activity, not the outcome, and a pay packet isn't engagement enough. Let's get into it. Hi there, and welcome to this week's episode of the Automotive Talent Show podcast, the podcast where we get to know and gain insights from leaders within the automotive industry. My guest this week comes to us from Sydney and has a strong exposure to the industry from both the OEM and retail side of the business, and uh, has also got his own podcast, which we'll dig into a little bit today as well. Welcome to the Automotive Talent Show, Johnny Yap. How are you? I'm well. How are you, Aaron? I'm oh, very well, mate. Thank you for being a part of it, and uh, and yeah, I've been looking forward to this chat. So <laughs> thanks for having I'm me on. Quite, yeah, I'm quite excited to see where it all goes. Yeah. You're um, <laughs> you're very you're obviously more experienced at doing this than I am, but I, I think these are all great conversations and meaningful. And I think I think uh, I think your experience can definitely uh, give some great insights into into uh, the beautiful industry that we call automotive. Mm, thank you, thank you. So from a high level, I suppose. Johnny, give us the give us the uh, give us the, the the grand tour of the of the Johnny Yap experience. Okay, so from I guess if we talk about the automotive side first, because that's probably more um, you know towards the niche that you're you're targeting. Um, I started in the industry, I think it was 2004, um, and uh, how it was quite odd how I ended up starting in the automotive industry. Um, but essentially, what happened was. Uh, I was studying at university, um, so I was studying law and engineering science at UTS, um, so University of Technology in Sydney, and um, basically what happened was that, you know, one, I think it was my, yeah, this, the summer of my second year or something like that, um, I was just looking through the local paper, and in that local paper, you know, uh, in the job section, I saw that there was apprentices wanted um, at the local Toyota dealership. And for me, actually, back then, I always actually um, had a bit of a passion for Toyota cars. Yeah. Um, thinking back to, you know, the old school style, you know, Toyota sports cars, the A86, um, the Supras, the Chasers, that, those sorts yeah. of cars. And so when I saw that ad, I was like, oh, you know, I, I, I kind of need a job. Um, so, you know, um, my uh, parents, I, well, my mum was um, overseas at that point in time um, dealing with some personal issues. So, you know, I was sort of, you know, fending for myself from that, from that regard. Um, so I went to the local Toyota dealer and um, the receptionist there, her name was Cammy, and I, I gave her my resume and I said, look, Cammy, I'm not sure if your boss would be interested in someone like me. You know, I can probably only commit to a part-time because I am studying at university. At university. Um, but if he's interested, you know, um, you know, give me a call. So then I, I think I heard nothing for about four weeks. And so I thought, oh, okay, well, you know, I guess nothing's really going to happen there. Yeah. And then I get a phone call. And so I pick up the phone and I, what I hear in the other, on the other line is, Johnny, yeah, my name is Mark Fitzgerald. You know, I'm the, I'm the owner of um, Castle yeah. Hill Toyota. Yeah. Tell me why do you want to be a mechanic? That was his first question. And, yeah. um, and, and so little did I know, you know, that we were having a phone interview at that point in time. And, and so I said to him, look, you know, um, just because, you know, I start there doesn't mean that that's where I, I end up. You know, I think, you know, to, to, to be successful at anything, you've got to start somewhere. Um, and so I, I looked at it as that was an entry-level position. 
um, to get really get some experience, and then who knows where it was going to go from there. From there, you know. Um, and uh, I think you know what I said must have resonated with him because you know uh, from his, I guess in his story, you know that's how he started in the industry as well as an apprentice, and obviously grew himself to to where he is today. Um, and um, and he basically said to me at the end of the conversation, you know, uh, I'm going to give you a job, um, come in and and we'll go from there. And so it was it was quite interesting, like when I think back on it now, that I went into the dealership thinking, you know, um, I guess you know we're having a, a like a proper face to face interview, and I was going to get walked around. Yep. And Mark had already gone and said to all these people that you know this is Johnny App, he's studying at uni, he's this whiz kid that's starting in our business. So as a I would have been what um, nineteen or twenty at that point in time, um, yeah, twenty. I think I was around twenty at that that, that stage. So. When you actually go into that um, and have, I guess, all these people, you know, thinking that you're the next great thing or whatever, it actually, you know, in some instances probably hurt some of my relationships in that business. Um, whether, and it's not to say I think people felt threatened, but more that, you know, um, they already think that you're like this upstart. And then, you know, something happens or doesn't go the right way. People are always looking for, for a reason to, to yeah. put Put, put the blame on you or, or, or say, you know, oh, you didn't do this right, you didn't do that right, when at the end of the day, irrespective of, you know, what your experience or whatever else might be, mistakes can happen. Absolutely. You know? um, so that was um, – so that's how I started in the industry. Um, so back then, you know, it was my, – my days were I – would, I would say that was probably one of the toughest times of my life because um, I was, you know, at work almost full, uh, a full 38 hours a week, um, well, 30 hours plus TAFE, so one day at TAFE, um, doing a full-time uni workload, um, training martial arts, you know, five times a, not, uh, five times a week. Um, so, and that was my, that became my life. Like, I, I did that for about four years. Um, and um, so I managed to, with TAFE, um, so normally the TAFE, TAFE side of things is, is um, uh, you know, takes you through. Um, yeah, and yeah. I managed to finish TAFE in two years. Um so back then, uh, there was two options when it came to TAFE. You could either do the classroom learning or there was a self-paced version. Yep. So uh, I opted for the self-paced version because the way I looked at it is that, you know, if I can finish that um, as, qu as quickly as possible, then I can spend more time on the floor um, and, you know, I guess give back a little bit to Mark as well um, for him giving me that opportunity. I think from his perspective, um, he probably saw me as a bit of a guinea pig for his own son, um, Ben. Uh, who's also in his business now. Yes. Yeah. Um, so Ben did a very similar thing to me, you know, um, did the uni thing and did, did his tr trade at the same time. Um, and then um, I guess, you know, how my next sort of opportunity came up from there was that Mark actually came to me one day and he said, you know, Johnny, I'm happy to keep you in my business and I'm happy to, you know, give you a pathway um, that we can grow you on, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. However, why don't you go to Toyota Motor Corporation and see what you can do there? And I was like, okay, well, you know, happy to, to try anything, really. Um, and so what happened, I think, I don't remember the, the year, but it was probably, it actually, it should have been around 2006, um, 2006 or maybe 2007. And uh, one of those years, he, um, the dealership actually won the President's Award trophy. So John Conomos was there, um, all the, the big wigs from Toyota were there, and, and, and Mark actually came and grabbed me out of the workshop. You know, and here I was in my workshop here and he, he said, Johnny, I wanted to introduce you to a few people, introduced me to JC and a few of the other guys and basically said, Johnny, when you finished your time, um, 
we'll get you a, a job, you know, over, over there. Um, so um, basically, yeah, the, the, I, the, the day that I finished my, my, my uni degrees um, and I was graduating and I said to Mark, you know, I'm, I've, I've finished. Um, he said, oh, look, I'll, I'll, what I want you to do is I want you to email this guy. Um, so he gave me uh, Alan Porich's email. Um, so uh, Alan's no longer with us, but yep. Alan at the time was um, the divisional manager of um, customer services division. Um, and basically I sent, I sent my resume off, mm -hmm. um, didn't hear anything for, for probably, you know, four to six weeks as well. And I thought, oh, yeah. well, you yeah, know, that was, that, that, that was chalk that up to experience. Yeah, that, that was it. Um, and then uh, I had a, then I got a phone call and I had, um, uh, I think it was, I think it was Chris O'Connor um, who, who, who rang me to, to call me in for an interview. And so basically there was a, a, a new role that they've put together um, in service operations. So I guess an entry level style role. Um, and so, you know, I, I, went in, I went in for that. And um, it was one of those experiences where, you know, you get put, I got put on the spot. And, um, and Chris said to me, you know, Johnny, you know, how good are you with Excel? And I said, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm okay. I, I don't know, really. Like, how how you know, good yeah, is I'm... anyone with Excel, really? I don't think there's, <laughs> I don't think there's yeah. any 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 uh, uh, genius level Excel operator out there. We all know what we know, don't we? Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And then, yeah, and you don't know what you don't know because exactly, unless yeah. you really use yeah. the system. Yeah. Anyway, so so Chris sort of put me on the spot and he said, oh, you know, Johnny, I want you to um, go and pull out, you know, a, a set of values for me for everything that matches this. So at the time, you know. I, I I didn't know what a VLOOKUP was. Um, I didn't I, know. These I still basic... don't, by the way. I, I... <laughs> <laughs> so I, I didn't know any of these basic Excel functions. Yeah. And so, um, you know, I think Chris said, oh, I'll give you about, you know, 10, 15 minutes to work it out. So then Chris left the room and there I was frantically, you know, searching through and basically manually doing doing it all, right? And so, I, and then Chris came back into the room and he goes, oh, have you finished? And I said, yep, it's done. And then, and then he's had a look and he's gone, He's, he's probably looking at my, trying to look at my formulas and there was no formula, but the answer was right. And he goes, how did you do this, Johnny? I said, well, I just did a manual. And he goes, he sort of giggled to himself and he was like, oh, you know, wasn't really what we we're looking for. Um, you know, we we're actually looking for you to do a VLOOKUP. And I was like, oh, well, might be good if I actually knew what a VLOOKUP was. And, and he proceeded <laughs> to tell me. And so I thought, I left that interview thinking, Oh well, there yeah, goes that opportunity. Uh, you chalked that one up to experience. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then um, I think that was on a. Uh, I think what happened was that was on a Monday, and then and then uh, basically I got called up um, on the Wednesday for uh, another interview, and then actually by the Friday, um, so Friday afternoon I was I was back at the dealership working, and then um, uh, Max Endicott, the, the service manager. He came and grabbed me and, and, and Max said, oh, you know, Johnny Mark wants to speak with you. So, you know, Mark's on the phone to me and, and Mark was actually telling me I got the job before Toyota had actually called me to go, get the job. And um, and I do remember this conversation very vividly because, you know, I said to Mark, Mark, I, I don't know how to thank you. You know, like you've, you've done so much for me in, in my career. And he said to me, you know, Johnny, you don't need to, to thank me or do anything. All you need to do is just remember where you came from. And, um, and he said, you, know, you don't owe me anything. You can pack up your tools. You can leave today and um, go and start at Toyota next week or whatever it was. And that's how I started Toyota. So I, I, I think, yeah, so 
I think I got the dates from, I think I started in 03 at the dealership and then I went to Toyota in 06 because that was when I when I finished uni, et cetera. Yeah. And um, yeah, so I started my career at Toyota. Um, so spent five years at Toyota, um, you know, uh, got, got lots of experience in, in a whole range of different departments. I think in my first two years, I'd been rotated every six months. So basically, you know, started in service operations, then went to what they called custom services divisions so after sales. Yeah. And then after sales over to, um, uh, to franchise development and then franchise development over to the region. And then I spent, you know, the last um, two or three odd years in the region as a, as a, a district sales manager there. Um, and then, um, you know, through, I guess, I, I think one of the themes that you're going to get out of my story is, is, is relationships. Um, just because obviously, you know, it was through my relationship with Mark that I got the opportunity at Toyota. Yes. It was through the relationships that I generated at Toyota that I probably got majority of the other roles that I've had in my career. So um, when I when I left Toyota, um, basically that was through um, my relationship with Rod Cullen, um, who's the dealer principal at, at Lander yep. Toyota. Um, so Lander Toyota is owned by AHG. And um, and Rod, you know, sort of said to me, you know, Johnny, what are you? Where, where, where's your head at? Um, and um, and so, you know, at the time, I sort of said, you know, I said to myself that I was going to give Toyota five years of my life to work out, you know, do I want to stay in corporate or do I want to come back out to retail? And obviously, you know, at that five year mark, then you know, Mark, um, Rod was was saying, you know, to come come and join him at AHG. Um, so he introduced me to a few people there. And, um, and then I actually, I actually um, did have a conversation with Mark about it. And I said to Mark, you know, what do you think I should do? You know, um, and, and, and Mark was really good. He, he you know, I, I still view Mark as a mentor. He, he gave me some good advice and just said, you know, Johnny, you got to look at in the, in the longer and bigger picture of things, you know, where do you want your life to end up? You know, and yeah. he basically, you know, rehashed on his story of, you know, starting as an apprentice and working in those businesses until he became a business owner. Um, and, and that was the pathway that he chose, you know, and, and with that pathway, um, there were sacrifices that he made, you know, Mark was a very good golfer um, and rather than pursue the golfing thing, he sacrificed the golfing thing to then, you know, focus on his automotive career. Um, you know, likewise, I, I've had, I've, I guess I can say I've, I've, I did a similar thing with, with my own life, you know, I was, I'm really into my martial arts. I'm still really into my martial arts today. Yes. Um, and I probably, you know, didn't chase some of those things as hard as, as I should have, um, thinking that I need to focus on my career. And I think, you know, um, this is where, you know, sometimes, you know, advice that you get, um, it all depends on the person, you know, because I give very different advice to to my team now when it comes to them and their hobbies. Um, you know, uh, I think, you know, back then everybody wants to talk about, um, I guess, this balance that you're trying to achieve. And so to get something good or get something really good at one end, you had to sacrifice other end. Um, and the, I guess what I really focus on nowadays, uh, I really like the saying, how you do anything is how you do everything. And so for me to be good um, in different facets doesn't mean that I have to give up on certain things. It means that I need to understand how I can translate those skills into those other areas to reduce the learning time, reduce the experience required by by drawing on you know those sort of stories and experiences that I've had I can then try and use that to then pick up other things even quicker even quicker yeah so um if anything you know I think it's like that mindset where if you quit something 
then you can quit anything. Like you can yes. quit everything, right? Like so yeah. you just become like how you know I guess a quitter. What people say a quitter. So, um, so my my whole um, mindset on, on on that and how you chase those passion projects and your side your side sort of gigs um, has really shifted. You know, I don't think that you have to give away something to to be able to be successful at that and be successful in your career anymore. Um, no. But that's something that I, I only learnt myself through experience. Whereas, you know, I think back in when when I was going through it all, that was probably the mindset you needed to have. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, so, it, it's interesting, isn't it? You know, and it, it's, it, you know, it's life, life, um, life is a byproduct of our experiences. Mm. You know, you, as, as we said before, you don't know what you don't know until you, until you, until you learn it. But yeah. You know, from the common thread through the common thread through your story from how you started to to now, and and we'll get into the now in a little bit, but mm. it's it's very much it's very much a byproduct of what the automotive industry in many ways has always been, isn't it? The mm. the, the the automotive industry isn't about cars. Yeah, like the cars, the car, yeah. yeah, the cars are the campfire that people gravitate to, but yeah. it's it's always been about the people and the relationships that that people have been able to forge over the years uh, yep. together. You know, I, I, I remember my background, you know, my background, you know, we were, we were Ford dealers when I grew up and I remember being a, a little fella, probably six, seven, eight years old and, and getting introduced to a customer that yep. purchased a vehicle for my grandfather 40 years <laughs> prior and had been doing that ever since and getting their car serviced ever since. So, you know, it's the relationship that you build is that's what that's what makes our industry. I think it makes it great. It makes the industry that it is also makes it very sustainable. Um, mm. But yeah, and, you know, that's the thing about mentors is that you know, even though even though he was the guy that gave you that phone interview and said, "Why do you want to be an apprentice?" All the way through to now, I'm sure you could pick up the phone to Mark now and say, "Hey, how are you going?" You know. Talk yeah, through absolutely. talk through challenges and you know it's the relationship. Yeah, and that's, doesn't die. that's one of the things I've been, I've been like I've been really fortunate in my career to have had some really good mentors. Um, you know, and even <coughs> excuse me. That's right. We can do that. Now. I have been I have actually been corona tested. Um, <laughs> you know, we are in we are in a, a bit of a, a hot spot. You know, oh, around okay. the dealership here. So it's one of those things where you know. Um, you know, and, and it's funny when we talk about the automotive industry, like in the old days, right, like, um, and I'm not even that old, but like, you know, the, the mentality previously would have been, you know, if you're a little bit sick, you suck it up, you turn up at work, blah, blah, blah. blah. Yeah, yeah. Now it's, you know, if someone yeah. mentions to me, I've got a sore throat, go home, see ya, I want, yeah, I want yeah, you to yeah, go get yeah. tested, yeah. come back when you're right, yeah, yeah. you know. Um, so it's, it's just funny how, how how those things sort of change. But, um, Absolutely. Yeah, like, so I've been, I, I was just really fortunate that, um I've met so many great people, you know, and I would credit that that was one of my one of my best learnings out of um, Toyota was just the amount of people that I met as a as an area sales manager. Like even so, if I think about you know the guys who who were in my immediate team back when I was a DSM, you know, um, there was Brad Cruz, there was Mark Booth, um, Andrew Stavis, uh, Michael Barris, um, you know, all these guys have, uh, are, are, are somewhere still in the automotive motor, automotive industry. Uh, Phil Sue, you know, he's with, um, uh, I think he's with Inchcape at the moment. 
you know, within, you know, there's a whole bunch of different guys that were all in our team uh, and they're all, you know, just great relationships. Like I can pick up the phone, um, have a conversation with him. I was talking with Boothby the other night. Um, you know, Ben Hallwood, he's, he's come on my podcast. He's still in the, in the industry, but in a different facet. He's in like an aftermarket sort of space. Yes. But, you know, all these guys, um, you know, we've like formulated such good relationships that, you know, at any point in time, you can talk to them. You know, Vin, who, um, you know, was a manager at Lexus, is now in, overseas in Singapore. You know, um, like I had a great relationship um, when I was in network development with Danny Miles. And, and Danny was, you know, a guy that, you know, I, I really look up to and respect. Um, so I was just, you know, there's so many names. I, I, I don't want to just name drop everybody that I know, but <laughs> they've all had some sort of impact on my, on my Absolutely. career. Absolutely. But that's and, life, um, isn't it? That's life. That's, you know, you, yeah. you know, you walk into a room with a point of view, someone else gives you a different perspective and whether you, if you agree with it, you adopt that as your point of view. If you, if you don't agree with it, you, you, you leave, you leave it when you walk out of the room, don't you? But either way you've, either way you've, you know, you've, you've had the benefit of that relationship and the interaction. Yeah. Well, see, um, so when, when, you, when I think about that, um, John Perdry, who was my, who was the service operations manager when I first started at Toyota, he gave me some really good corporate career advice. He said, you know, um, irrespective of who your manager is, whether they're a good manager or a bad manager, you've got one goal and your goal is to... Um, do your job to the best of your ability. And if they're, if they're a bad manager, well, hopefully because of the work that you've done, they get promoted or move somewhere else. And then if they're a good manager, they get promoted or move somewhere else. Yes. So the, the net goal is still the same. Um, you know, you just need to continue to apply yourself, whether they're a good person or a bad person, you just do the best that you can do. Um, and I think, you know, that was very sound advice. And, you know, I think back on that now and I go, oh, that was great advice for, for when I started my career. And, um, you know, I guess, you know, when I, when I talk about, you know, how Toyota influenced the rest of my career, even um, when I went to AHG, so that was through Rod Cullen, um, you know, again, had, had a great team there, you know, Chad, who's, you know, owns a whole bunch of businesses himself now. Yeah, the, um, the great the great Chadwick, everyone knows the great Chadwick. Yep. And um, and then I met, you know, a whole bunch of DPs, obviously, in, in that network, in the AHG New South Wales network. You know, um, and I still talk to some of the guys quite regularly nowadays as well. And um, you know, from from there, when I when I actually, um, and we can talk about you know my my Holden days because you know I, I've got some I guess experiences that I'm more than happy to share because I think as an operator, um, you know, when I first got to that sort of penultimate level um, as a as a senior manager, you know, general manager, uh, dealer principal type role. Um, that was always something that I I, I, want, I, I aspired to, and yeah. I just didn't. I did, I never expected to get there when I did. Um, you know, I thought it was something that it was going to happen maybe when I was like 32, and um, I, I, it, it happened when I was 28. And um, and 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 you know, that's a credit to Chad because Chad was the one that that said, you know, Johnny, um, you know, you you here's your, here's your shot. You wanted to be a DP. Well. Um, you know, the, the gentleman that we've employed for, for this business has fallen over. So we're going to put you in as like a, as a, as a temporary, you know, um, uh, fill-in. And if you make make a go of it, then it becomes yours. Um, so that's what happened. And, and so I ran that business for three, almost four years. Um, but I think, you know, when I think of myself as an operator now versus me as an operator then, hmm. you know, 
for lack of a better word, I would shit all over myself. Yeah. 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 Um, I think, you know, the, the ability was probably, and the tenacity was probably the same. The difference is in, you know, where my focus is. Um, so nowadays I'm, I'm, I'm so much more focused on my people um, as opposed to focused on the result. I think back then it was because, you know, I was young. I just got given that opportunity. I was so focused on the result that it was almost like the result at any cost. Yes. Um, and now for me, you know, the, I, I, my, my, my outlook's a little bit different where, you know, all these things like that, that are numbers and results, they're all great. KPIs are great, but they're outcomes. And if you spend all your time worrying about the outcomes, they've already happened. It's like trying to rewrite history. Yes. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't actually help you. Yeah. All you can focus on now is actually the inputs. And so, you know, if you've had a, a bad day today, well, what have you done to make tomorrow that, that better day, right? It's almost like, you know, when you, um, if you want to set yourself up for a good day tomorrow, let's say you even want to go to the gym tomorrow morning. Well, you don't stay up late. You don't, you know, try and pack your bag in a rush in the morning because yeah. the chances of you getting it wrong and, and end up ending up not going, you don't have any momentum. Yeah. So, you know, to actually set yourself up to have a good day tomorrow, I'm going to prepare the night before. I'm going to pack my bags. I'm going to, you know, go to sleep early, have my alarm set. So all I need to do in the morning is literally get up, get in the car and away I go. Um, so, so likewise, you know, I guess, you know, in, in, in this business now um, at MacArthur BMW, you know, I've got my guys really thinking about, you know, what are the inputs that we're trying to work on today to actually influence the result tomorrow? You know, I don't, I think, you know, um, in, in the past, a lot of people would make a, a, a big song and a dance of, uh, you know, oh, we haven't, uh, whether we sold a car or we didn't sell a car. I make a bigger song and a dance about, well, what, what was the activity? You know, how many people have we spoken to? How many appointments have we generated from the sales side of things? You know, how many bookings have we made? Because once the bookings are made, well, it works there. Yes. But we've got to keep stacking it up for, for the future. So, you know, they're, they're, they're just some of the things that I think, you know, have my, my focus has really shifted um, over the course of my career. Um, but, yeah, so, you know, when I, when I left um, the Holden business, you know, even the next opportunity that I jumped into, because I always wanted to get into prestige um, and I guess not to be, you know, um, rude or anything, but, you know, uh, Holden as a brand didn't really resonate with my friends and family. Um, <laughs> not a lot of Asian, like just being honest, yeah. like yeah, not yeah. a lot of Asians. It's not their core, de- not their core demographic. No, so I wasn't in their core demographic, and I can tell you a funny story that you know, obviously, you know, my, I speak you know Australian English, you know, and um, I had a customer once turn up and and basically said, "I'm here to see Johnny," and I said, "You're, you're speaking to him," and he said, "You're, you're not a Johnny." <laughs> and, you know, it's one of those things where you go, okay, how do you take it? But to me, it was yeah. water off the back. Like, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah. You know, I don't, I don't, <laughs> it doesn't, doesn't bother me. Um, so, yeah, when I, when I left Holden, um, I took, I took, I took almost six months off, um, got married, you know, uh, went overseas, had a long trip, you know, which was nice because I've, I've never done that before. Um, ever since, you know, I started working at, um, at, at uh, for, for market, Castle Hill Toyota, I never really took an extended holiday. Um, so I did that and, you know, um, I, was, I was a bit burnt out as well, you know, and I started to, I was thinking, you know, oh, do I really want to keep, keep doing this? You know, like that's how I felt. Um, and then again, you know, my next opportunity came up through relationship. So um, there was a, a, a GSM role, so it was a step backwards, a general sales manager role at um, Mercedes-Benz and Mulligan. Um, and uh, one of the owners, uh, Aaron Taylor at the time, 
his brother Ryan was a good mate of mine from when I was a DSM and I was his DSM for Gunnada Toyota. Yeah, right. Um, so I ended up, you know, pretty much got the job straight away. Yeah. Um, and and I, so I spent five years there working for, for Aaron and, and, and his father-in-law, Tom. Um, and that was great because that actually um, reignited my passion for the automotive industry. Um, you know, uh, I got back to, to basics in terms of, you know, it's about customer experience. Um, you know, as a brand, you know, Mercedes is very focused on, on, on the brand experience. Um, and I, I really love that. And I, I managed to create some really great relationships uh, with a lot of great clients who, you know, were, were guys that were just, you know, looking to buy Mercedes and then we'd become friends. Yes. You know, some of them I've had on my podcast, um, you know, just because, you know, that, that we, we resonated. They had really good stories and it wasn't like you don't know their story when you first meet them. But, no. you know, if you're genuine in your approach, then over time, you know, you get that in return. Um, so, yeah, spent spent five years there and then, um, as, you know, essentially, I guess, you know, how, how you know, part of my reasons for, for leaving there was just, um, you know, I, I think, you know, I could sense there was something changing at that business. Um, so, so you know, uh, I was looking for another opportunity and, again, through my Toyota relationships, um, MacArthur BMW were owned by the Clintons Motor Group, um, so the Cordovalis family has a, has yep. a stake in this. Um, and they're Toyota dealers who I met when I was in Toyota land. And so that's how, you know, I ended up at MacArthur BMW. Yeah, it's so, isn't it? It's yeah, isn't it such a good story? And, and obviously, your story is unique to you, and and you know, every every person's pathway is definitely different, isn't it? But yeah, you know, it's. I think you know the thing the the, the thread that's gone all the way through your your um, your story is the depth of relationships that you have forged along the way that has helped your career keep growing and being sustainable and, and challenging for you you know it's it's and and you know it, it all started it all started back with someone onboarding you in a way that was probably at the, for the time not the normal way you know mm-hmm. not the not the he, here's a here's our next apprentice and he's going to be a superstar and you know mapping out your pathway and setting you up to success right from the right from day zero um, you know, through to, through to now, you know, it's it's just been something that the momentum has kept on growing, and and uh, it's 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 been a real sustainable long long term approach, isn't it? But yeah, it all comes yeah, back to the relationships. Exactly, and it's and you know, it's you know when I when, when we talk about relationships, it's also you know people people don't think of necessarily think about relationships the right way. Um, well, I guess maybe not not to say the right way, but I guess, you know, my, my take on the relationship is not what I can get out of a relationship. It's what I can give into that relationship, right? Yeah. So, you know, um, because, you know, Mark was so good for me in my career, when I was working for him, I wanted to do the best that I could do, right? And likewise, you know, when I was at Toyota, I, I had Toyota's best interests at heart, you know, so much so that, you know, I was, I was so much on the corporate side that sometimes, you know, you clash heads with some of the dealers, right? And then, and then likewise, when I went to ASG, you know, um, I was so focused on the result, you know, and, and that was because I wanted to do the best for Chad because Chad had given me such a great opportunity. I, I didn't want to let him down. Yes. Right. And then, um, and then, you know, when I went to, to, to Mercedes, I wanted to do the, the best for the brand. I wanted to offer the best experience. Um, you know, I wanted to get the, the best result for the dealership. Um, and, you know, 
I was fortunate that we we managed to grow the business to almost you know nearly two and a half times the volume in a very short period of space. Um, so likewise, you know, when I when I came across to to BMW, um, it, it was interesting. You know, like from from that perspective, like they're both German companies, um, but how they do things is very very different. Absolutely. Um, so. You know, it's you can't go into it's like going into a new relationship with your old baggage. You can't do that. No. You know, you've got to start fresh, um, start again. Um, so you know, I've had to build my team here. Um, you know, restructure some of the things, and and now you know we're we're in a really good space um, in in this business. So you know, and I'm I'm forever grateful that I have these opportunities to do such things. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so my focus nowadays is more on how do I develop my people so that you know whether I'm here or I'm not, they know what is the, the future culture that they need to, to develop, right? So, and a lot of the guys that I have, you know, whether I've worked with them before or they're fresh to the industry, um, that responsibility really does lie at the, the top of the food chain. You know, what is the culture that we set? What are the expectations that we set? And, and Michael Solomon and I actually had this conversation about, you know, how do we make the industry better overall, right? Um, because, you know, everybody has a different way that they can impact it. Um, but I've realised, you know, the way, the, the way that I can impact it is through each of my individual employees. So, you know, I can only impact the, I guess, my circle of influence and that's my immediate dealership and the people that I deal with. Um, so that's where, that's where my focus is on, on, on really trying to make sure, you know, everybody just gets 1% better each day. Um, they're the sorts of things that we, we frequently talk about in our management meetings and all that sort of stuff. But that, that in many ways, you know, you and I are talking, it's, it's uh, mid, to, mid to late July 2020. So, you know, for, for those viewers playing at home, the coronavirus is out there, irrespective of when you're listening to this discussion. So, you know, what, what, what you're talking about there with, with, you know, being able to affect your circle of influence, it's many, it's, in many ways, it's very much like the coronavirus, isn't it? You know, mm. if, you can, if you can affect one person, then the hope is that that person will affect you know, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten people with with challenging your thinking and and thinking about the industry in a different way, in a different mindset. You know, we've, yeah. as you said before, we've always been an industry that's focused on the result, the outcome, and not and not the the lead up to it. You know, the behaviours, yeah. the behaviours behind it is is probably where I think we is. You know, obviously you're you're starting it, but I think that's a lesson that we've really learnt the hard way over the last couple of years, you know, it's, yeah. it's the behaviors that contribute the strongest result at the end and the more sustainable, um, consistent result at the end. Yeah. Well, and that's another one of my, you know, my common sayings with my team is consistency over intensity. You know, um, I guess that analogy comes from a, from an exercise perspective. Um, so, you know, if you go to the gym and, and, and you go and wreck yourself, the chances of you got making it back to the gym when you've got, you know, delayed onset muscle syndrome yes. um, and you're so sore that you can't even walk um, is very minimal. But, you know, if I, if I, if I, you know, if I'm just getting started and I, let's say I only go to 70% of my capacity, um, that actually motivates me to, to want to come back the next day and maybe push it to 75, right? Um, it's impossible to, to always, you know, flatline. You, you don't want to be the same the whole way through, but, if I can vary my intensity, but always stay between a range of say 70 to 105, um, I'm going to be, I'm going I'm to get a better result overall. I'm going to be, I'm going to be happier. I'm going to be healthier. Um, I'm going to be more stable. <laughs> yes. Because, um, 
you know, that that's that's something that's a very hard thing for for people in the industry is to when you're committing so much of your of your time, you know, um, for guys who you know, my guys are on eleven day fortnight roster. Um, so when you think about that, you get one and a half days off a week, right? So, and then if you don't structure it the right right way, you might go twelve days before you have your one and a half days off. Something. Yes. Yeah. So, um, you, you, you that that's where it really becomes important that we you know like we we take away that sort of focus on the intensity aspect of it. So, you know, irrespective of whether it's in the month or it's not, you know, we we need to have that consistency on a week, weekly basis. And if the guys focus on that, then they'll try and work around that as well. Of course, there's situations where, you know, sometimes it can't be helped. Yes. But it's not every month that always ends up on your days off, right? Yes. So, you know, but if we have that consistency in, in their time off, they're, they're going to be more consistent when they're at work as well. So, you know, um, when we look at the peaks and troughs, I don't want the peaks and troughs to just average out and just be a flat line. I want the peaks to be a little bit higher and the troughs to be a little bit lower and then slowly it's just like sort of, on the upward sort of incline. Mm. Um, yeah. So that's the sort of approach that we try and take. Absolutely, yeah. I, you know, in my, in my line of work, Johnny, as you know, I, I I talk to people all day, every day. A lot of it's about changing, a lot of it's about, you know, their careers and changing pathways, getting to know them and their characteristics. And I think my assistant the other day tried to figure out actually how many people that I've I've had, I've sat down and met with to, to talk about their you know, actually met with to talk about their their roles and did their, their yep. job and what they want to do. And the figure she came up was came up with was somewhere in between nine to ten thousand interviews. Wow. So, um, so if if practice says anything, I you know I've, I'm fairly well practiced at this thing now. But <laughs> yeah, one thing one thing that I've learned in the past though is that we're all byproducts of our experiences, mm. and and you know DNA counts for a certain portion of who we are but Mm -hmm. experience and behaviors counts for a hell of a lot as well and and a lot of people that have um that exposure in their lifetime to things like martial arts Mm -hmm. become very disciplined at other parts other parts of their lives as well i think you touched on this before it it's it's a kind of thing that you practice and permeate through all areas of your all areas of your life in a way Mm. Yeah, it's translation of skills. I think, um, you know, I think in, in one of my podcasts, you know, uh, I think yeah, Ben was asking me about it. Ben Hall was asking me about it and, you know, just asked me, you know, what, what do I think my my strength is? Um, and I think that's what my strength is. My strength is is taking the experiences that I've had and trying to um, shape my perspective on it so that I can apply it to a, a future experience, so something that hasn't happened yet. Um and um, one of the other things that, you know, uh, when I was listening to, I think it was the Joe Rogan podcast, and they were talking about the concept of how big infinity is, right? And so basically, you know, the concept of how big infinity is is that um, in the, there's a likelihood that there is another you and I having this exact same conversation in another universe. There's a likelihood that there's another you and I with the roles reversed having the exact same conversation or the reverse conversation in yeah. another universe. Yeah. And I use that to, to you know, in a very odd way where sometimes when you have a really messed up thought, like, you know, one of those things that's politically incorrect, you, yes. know, you shouldn't say it, you know, you can think it, but, you know, you yeah, might yeah. give yourself a yeah. little bit of a trouble. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, sometimes yeah. I, I take that to the nth degree and then I go, okay, in some universe out there, I could be that bad guy, right? 
or I could be that horrible person or say this horrible thing. It doesn't need to be in this one. No. So I use that to actually try and um, try and encourage myself to be the bigger person and the and the better person in in every single circumstance. Right. So you know, so the same thing applies. Like you know, when we talk about so as an example, like I'll give you a good example. Um, where one of my staff members, you know, we were talking about um, pay plans, commission plans, and he and he was asking, you know, can we can we look at um, some sort of an adjustment for something? And so you know, he's one of my managers, and so. <coughs> me so i thought about it and so what i what i what i actually said to him was look you know you're 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 one of my senior managers you know at some point i know that you want to grow and develop yourself as well um so one day you're going to have similar questions coming from your managers asking you for the same thing so you know i put a lot of thought into the structures that that i've put together um but perhaps there might be a better way so if you can show me a better way and and show me the what are the pros and the cons um, and come up with a, a solution that's better for both parties, I'm happy to explore it. Um, so, you know, whereas I think, you know, my I think everybody's first reaction would have just been like, no. Yeah. Right? What's, what's so the old, the old school that. reaction is, oh, he wants a pay rise, does he? Just tell him to sell more cars. Yeah. <laughs> right? So, but, you know, I, I'm, I might miss out on a great idea. Now, there's no there's no guarantee that I'm going to take on board whatever is, you know, put forward. Of course. But at least the option is there. And I think it's a good learning activity for him as well to work out, okay, I've got to now think about this from both perspectives. I've got to think, think about it from the business perspective. I've got to think about it from my personal perspective. So when you start to think about it like that, it becomes very hard to find that that that, that middle ground that's going to work best for both parties. Yeah. Um, but I think every 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 person in in a management capacity in the automotive industry has to go through that, right? If they want to have a successful career, um, you have to have the, that that ability to consider both sides. Um, if you're too much on one side, like so, like when I was at HG and so focused on the result, I was too much on that side and I didn't focus yes. enough on my people, yes. right? And if I was too much on the people and I let whatever happened with the result happen, then that wouldn't be the best outcome for the business either. Yeah. So you know, yeah. finding that that middle ground. Yeah, that's what that's what lead, leadership is always it always has and probably always will be about balance, mm. in many ways, Absolutely. isn't it? But yeah. you know, like our industry has very much been an industry that has been very um, dictatorial or directive style of management with how we've led people. You know, like people people come to their leaders for an answer. Yeah. Where you know that scenario that you just spoke through about. Uh, you know, empowering the person to come up with a solution or at least come up with a, a, a plan. It's not just about formulating a play plan. It's it's the knock-on effect that you gain as a leader out of that conversation is that person walking away from that conversation going, wow, Johnny trusts me to come up with a solution. Johnny values yeah. my opinion. There's a you know, in a in a world where we measure our engagement with our customers twenty four seven, we yep. we don't necessarily focus on that with our people. We we feel yep. that we feel that a pay packet is engagement enough, and yep. it's you know, it's not it's not. I, I would say to you, I think the any any statistics you read, pay pay and all of those things actually isn't even remotely even the top five for the reason why people stay connected to you as a business and a manager. Yeah. Yeah. If you're enjoying this episode, please don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and not miss a future episode.
If you'd like to know more about automotive talent and how we can assist you in the future, please don't hesitate to hit the contact link in the show notes. Back to the episode. Communities, I think, one of the things that we we forged when we're in these automotive businesses, um, and this is, I guess, this will sort of explain a little bit why I'm I'm a bit, you know, um, enigmatic on on in terms of LinkedIn and social media and things like that. Um, so, you know, I guess my, my when we think about you know um, community, so whether you, you know whatever hobby you're into, generally you find other like-minded people, right? Yes. So. You know, um, in 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 when religion was a big thing, then obviously um, people would gather for religious reasons and go to church, and have a community based around church, right? And you get an eclectic group of people that come from all walks of life that you talk to as just as a human being, right? And then likewise, you know, um, if it's martial arts or team sport or anything like that, you know, or CrossFit or whatever sort of you know exercise, you you can bring together, you find your own little niche and community there. Yes. And you get exposure to all these different people and um, from all different walks of life. So likewise, you know, um, just because we, we view what we do as work, um, it shouldn't be any different. You know, I've got people from all different walks of life in my business who are interested in all different things. The thing that binds us together is that we're in the automotive industry. Um, so, you know, it, we can't make it all about work. Um, I think those days are gone where, you know, um, if we make it all about work, that's why you have people burnt out. Yeah, I agree. You know, um, they're not pursuing these other um, passion projects and, and, and things like that. I, to be to be honest, um, I'm not a good marketer, okay? Um, I, don't, I don't market my podcast very well um, because I guess, you know, um, that, that, that's time-consuming in, in itself. Um, yes. And this is where I'm going to contradict myself because, you know, I, I do have other areas that I prefer to focus on as opposed to marketing my, my podcast. I'd rather just have quality conversations and, and let the conversations, you know, carry themselves. Um, but from a um, uh, the reason why I started that podcast in the first place, um, there was two reasons. Um, one, I had a, a friend of mine from high school, Adrian, um, commit suicide. Um so that was uh, just after Easter last year. Um, you know, we had we had actually had had dinner at a mate's place um, uh, on Easter Monday, and um, five days later, um, I find out that he's jumped in front of a train and killed himself at Homebush Station. Yeah, nuts. And you know, you go through a whole bunch of different emotions when when that sort of happens. And this is a guy who, you know, scored ninety nine point nine five on his HSC. Um, uh, was a mathematics genius type thing, you know, could have had plenty, had plenty of job, job offers and all that sort of stuff, was doing actuary and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, um, he had his own reasons, obviously, for, for doing that. Um, and, I, you know, as long as I hope, you know, as long as he's in a better place now, that's that's all that matters from, from that yeah. perspective. Yeah. Um, but, you know, that, that, that made me take stock of things um, from that perspective. And then... Um, the other the other sort of catalyst for me starting my own podcast was that um, I've got two children, um, soon to be three. I've got another one due in January. Um, and, you know, watching them grow up, I, I would see them do things and I'd go, and we, we, as we were talking about it before, you know, your experiences, you know, form part of your DNA. I'd look at some of the things that they do and I go, you know, where the hell did they get that from? They picked it yes. up from somewhere, yeah. you know, whether it's something that I've done or, you know, um, it's something.
is just you know something inbuilt from from mum and dad's experiences that that have been passed on to them. And I actually started to realise that you know um, I didn't know very much about my own family's history. Um, you know, my my dad's always loved to tell me stories, but I've never liked to listen. Um, <laughs> I had a I had a very strange relationship with my dad for many years, um, um, and you know I guess you know I, I started to think that you know uh, I didn't really care about my family history or anything like that until the day that I did, yes. and so so when I when I first you know started the podcasting thing it was the main reason for it was to actually just have a conversation with my dad and record that down, um, so I managed I got, I got that done in the in the third podcast. And then, you know, I guess why I've still done the podcast is because um, I've had, you know, um, people when we talk about it or we talk about things and then we have these really fantastic conversations because, you know, um, as I was saying before about when it comes to relationships, what you give is what you get. And if I'm open and honest and transparent, I think that makes people feel calm and at ease to also share those things with me. Um, And so I've just been fortunate that I've had people that have been willing to share those things on my podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. And so, so, so that's sort of, you know, what's how, how I guess what happened with, you know, um, my, my, the podcast and, and why I started it. Um, you know, again, I'm not a good marketer. I don't, I'm not, I'm not good at chasing people to, to put together and those sorts of things. So my momentum is probably stalled a little bit. Um, but if I can have a nice genuine conversation with someone, that's really all I'm looking for. And if I'm, if I, if anything, then it gives somebody a, a a place, a time capsule, so that maybe one day their kids might want to listen to a bit more about who their parents were um, when they were, you know, uh, children or whatever. Um, and and it's just there. So you know, I know that my, my kids probably won't listen to it. You know, they might not listen to it for, for forty years, fifty years, whatever. But the day that they do decide that they want to uh, understand more about who dad was when he was, you know, in his career and and, and those sorts of things at least they have that opportunity to do so. I think, you know, that's, that's, that's a gift that, you know, I can, doesn't, you know, um, all it takes is some time, you know? Uh, and so it's an investment that I'm, I'm willing to, to do from that perspective. Yeah, absolutely. We've, you know, we've got a, um, <clears throat> we've got so many great tools available to us these days that allows us to record our history in a way, yeah. you know, like, yeah. and I, I like you, I think, you know, you when you, you know, you, when you, when you grow up, you are focused on self-interest, you know, it's all about what's in it for me, what's in it for me, what's in it for me. But, you know, when you, when you, when you're fortunate enough to become a a parent, father, mother, um, you know, it, you, you start to realize what your parents have done for you and the, and, and the legacy that they've made and, you know, because you're starting to build your own legacy, and yeah. I think recording recording is is such a great way of trying to, you know, trying to trying to give a snapshot into the people that you're talking to. You know, in in what I do for outside of this podcast, you know, I build relationships with people that when we get to the end of it, I'm sure a lot of the people that I chat to go. I never thought I would be talking about that. That wasn't a job interview. It felt like a, it felt like a podcast, you know, like yeah. it felt like it was a therapy a session. Yeah. It's a conversation. And that, that for me is when you get someone to that level of authenticity, that's when you really get to know 
yeah. the person, the person on the other end of the conversation. You know, yeah. a job, a job interview doesn't give you that insight. No, absolutely not. So, how, how did you end up in 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 automotive talent anyway? So, you mentioned obviously you, you grew up in a Ford dealership. Yeah, and, yeah. And so, what what happened from there? Long story short, I um. I've been, I'm a 43 year old son of a Ford dealer who was a son of a Ford dealer. So, (laughs) yeah, the DNA was damaged many moons ago. Um, And, and I, you know, from, 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 from conception through to now, I've, I've always been in the automotive industry. I uh, have done different pathways. Obviously our family, we're not Ford dealers anymore. The old man saw the light and had an offer that he couldn't refuse and walked away from the business and ruined the legacy for me to take over. And at the time, maybe I wasn't so impressed with that decision, but yeah. I, how, I think... How old were you when, when, when that decision was made? Uh, mid-20s. Yeah, mid-20s. mid-20s. Yeah, so, so you were working in the business at that time? Yeah, yeah, working my way through it, yeah. I yeah. started as a, you know, started same as you, swinging him, swinging spanners. Yeah. So. On the tools. Yeah, yeah. but... You know, for me, I, I started automotive talent because um, I felt there was something missing. Mm. Like I, I felt, you know, for me, I never wanted this business to be like any other business. I just, I didn't want it to be a, you know, change the logo, change the business name, and and you do things exactly the way as everyone else does. Yep. I wanted, I wanted this business to be a business that 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 really focused on building the relationships with people and adding value through those relationships and partnering, you know, mm. and, you know, the, the reality is you, you could be the world's greatest Toyota technician or BMW technician or whatever. And you've got skill set that's undeniable, but when you, if you, if you personality wise don't fit the environment that you're about to walk into, mm. then there's no point being mm. having that skill set, and um, you know, for me, people people succeeding or or not succeeding in in our world is is more, always been more about the personality alignment than skill set. Mm. And uh, you know, the old the old adage always comes through for me: find the will, teach the skill. Um, is something that is something that our industry is probably we've we've only ever been really focused on results haven't we you know think back to the day you know uh, you if you've if you if you've got a need for a, a salesperson you say i'm looking for a salesperson experience experience required yeah you know where you know we really you know because we don't we didn't back in the day we didn't really want to train we didn't really want to coach we wanted we wanted a solution and we wanted it now yeah. where the more sustainable one is, is the one that we put effort into. Yeah. Well, isn't that, I think, I think that's funny because, you know, when you think about people who end up in management roles are generally the, the long serving guy or the guy with the best results, right? The last man standing. Yeah. And so, you know, you, you put this person into that um, management capacity, yet we don't spend any time training them on how to be a manager. Right. And, um, I think that's that's a consistent theme uh, across our industry. Um, you know, I think nowadays we still we still sort of, you know, we sort of just say, oh, you know, here go and do this course or go and do that course, and you think, you know, oh, she'll be right, and where you go. But um, there is so much more to being 
an effective leader and an effective manager than, than I think people um, really appreciate. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I say this to, to, to my managers. Um, part of the reason why I love teaching them everything that I know is because if I run out of things to teach, then I need to go learn more myself, right? So it sort of um, keeps me on, on my toes to keep developing myself, um, you know, drawing from inspirations from different aspects of, of, of the world, you know. Um, good coaching is good coaching, whether it's applicable to basketball, it's applicable to, you know, team sport, AFL, whatever, soccer, you name it. Good coaching is still going to be good, good coaching. And I think, you know, how does good coaching come about? Well, it's it comes about through being refined, right? Um, it goes through this process of, you know, um, you know, we talk about, I guess, the the common one that we always talk about in, in, in when you go to any sort of um, management training, they'll talk about, you know, the steps to conscious competence, you know, yes. that you start off as unconsciously incompetent because you don't know what you don't know. Then, you know, uh, you become consciously incompetent because you, you start to realise just how much you don't know. And then you find a way to make it work, but you don't know why it's working, so you're unconsciously competent. And then, you know, you then you try and get yourself to this point where you actually know why it all gets work together and how to influence it. And that's a conscious competence sort of phase. So I think, you know, anybody in, in, in our industry um, can learn from other industries and, and pull in those sorts of, um, especially the language, the linguistics, um, the, the terms that we use. I, I think, you know, um, you know uh, it, it's almost like if, if we don't update the language that we use, it's, it's like, you know, going into going into a, a battle with old technology it's the same thing mm. so, so likewise today you know there's so many good resources available and and a large proportion of them are, are free you know there are guys out there um like gary vanderchuk who give away their best shit for free yeah. um because they have there's there's no they don't care that other people um listen to it if, if they're actually happy because that's the only way to get development you know in martial arts i can't get better if my training partner's aren't as good, right? I have to bring them along the journey because, you know, some steps you can only learn when you've got a, a solid foundation that you've built on. So, yes. you know, um, the the goal in, in in all our businesses, irrespective that we, we might be competing against each other or not, is for the in, in industry as a whole to actually get, you know, build on that foundation and get better and better and better. Um, in the meantime, you know, it becomes my competitive advantage, you know, from that perspective, if people aren't thinking the same way that I am and then, you know, there are staff out there that want to, go into the, the system that I'm trying to put together, well, that's that's my competitive advantage and I get to um, develop those people and try and um, grow from that perspective. Um, yeah, yeah absolutely. absolutely. But that's, I think, you know, one of the one of the biggest challenges of our industry, and we have covered, I've, I've brought this up in, in previous episodes, but, you know, the, the industry, you know, if you, if you went to anyone outside of the automotive industry and did a Vox Pop, did a Vox Pop type, um, you know, discussion with people walking past on the street, not that we're, not that people are allowed out in Victoria at the moment, but everywhere else they are. Um, If you said, what's your, what's the first thing that comes to mind when you think about the automotive industry and, and gave them the microphone, I'm sure we would Mm. probably be, we won't be surprised, but we wouldn't be impressed by their result, by what they say, you know, and the, the biggest challenge of the industry at the moment is, is, is the ability for us to attract people that could have been a doctor or a lawyer or, or a whatever mm. to it in many ways, you know, yeah. it's, 
because it's it's such a beautiful industry. It is yeah. it is an industry that is, you know, it's it's there's no other. I can't think of any other industry that's kind of as dynamic as what the automotive industry is, and that's a yeah. part of its romantic charms. Mm. Yet, yet you know, there's there's only three ways that people come into our industry. The, yeah. the first one is you're born into it. <laughs> the, the the second one is you've you 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 you've got a burning desire to you know to to be a mechanic perhaps um and getting that trade behind you uh, the third the third part and it's probably the most common is that you you trip and fall over it and the next thing you know it's held you captive for the rest of your days um mm. you know where i think i think if if for, and part of the reason for doing this podcast is exactly what you said before. You know, I think, I think we're we're a much better industry when we work together. Mm. We're a much better industry when, when we, when we're we're not competing with the dealership that's down the road. When we're when we're trying to collectively make the business, the industry, the best version of itself that it can be. Yeah, yeah. So this is where I, 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 it's interesting. You know, when you say that. Um, like even if we just think about you know the 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 differences between um, corporate and retail, right? So um, a lot of the times you know in corporate you'll have guys that will will get into roles you know they'll spend say three to five years of tenure in a specific role, and you know their 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 the future of their career is decided upon how well they performed in those three to five years. Yeah. So sometimes the decisions that they make are for the benefit of achieving those three to five year results. But may not be for the longevity of the business. Yes. You know, um, so that's where you know there's always that sort of, um, um, I guess, that contradiction between you know what what um, the manufacturers may want versus what the dealers want. You know, if you're a dealer with a long-term investment, you know, um, a, a huge amount of overheads, you're you're, think, you're not thinking about three to five years. You're thinking about the you know how to get the most out of your investment for the next 10, 20 years. Mm. Um, so that's you know something that I think you know is always um, a bit of a contradiction, um, and you know you being an automotive talent, you deal with a lot of those guys from both ends, right? Both in retail and in corporate, absolutely, who, who have those different experiences, um, but you know they're geared towards that certain pathway of you know okay, well I need to get the best result, you know, in that short amount of time because that's going to improve my value and my worth. Um, it's a very hard place to get to. To, for someone to almost not have that, um, I don't know, care factor is not the right word, but um, not have that, uh, I guess it is sort of the right word, but the care factor in terms of, you know, what what pe- what people's expectations are. And I'll give you a good example, you know, like people would probably think I'm, I'm a little bit eccentric. Um, you know, my first day here at MacArthur BMW, I had a half Bosa ball, um, a standing table set up. And um, I came in and I rejigged my whole office. Um, I, I pretty much, you know, rejigged half the dealership um, over the first month. And um, now my office doesn't have a, a formal desk. Like I've got a, a meeting table and I've got um, a, a standing desk. Um, and, and people come in and, and they'll, they'll be like, don't you sit? And I'm like, generally, no. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I know that for me, if that was me, say, five years ago, ten years ago, I probably wouldn't have had the courage to be able to do the things that made me happy from that perspective. It sounds yeah. small, right? But the pressure of expectation, right? That, yes. Because 
the previous people have all done it this way, that that's how it has to be done. Um, and I've only found that confidence in, you know, I wish I had that confidence in myself early because I think, you know, my results probably would have been, been a leap ahead again. Like I say this to my guys all the time. If, if I had the knowledge that I had now, when I, if it was 10 years ago, well, there's probably a good chance that I probably wouldn't have listened to myself anyway because I was driven yeah. by ego, right? Yeah. But on the flip side, you know, I, I, you know, it's a great opportunity for these guys who, who are learning from me to fast track their careers. And, 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 and if they take on board those learnings, well, who knows where they're going to end up, you know, in five or 10 years. So, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. We get very narrow-minded, don't we? Like we, we only, you know, because we only, obviously only have our experiences to draw on, it, 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 it's, like a, it's like a horse running in a horse race with a pair of blinkers on. Like it can't yeah. see outside of it. And, and I think in many ways the industry is, you know, you, people, people think about disruptive influences, you know, to the car industry, you know, like your subscriptions yeah. and your yeah. ride share and, and all of that sort of stuff. Those things are those things are those things are, I suppose are, are capable of being disruptors because we don't want to see them coming, in mm. a way. You know, we want to keep doing what we've always done. You know, yeah. customers aren't buying cars now like they've always done them. You know, yeah. customers are customers are pushing back against our sales process because they know it, mm. and they don't want to do it anymore. They don't want to. They don't want to be wheeled in front of the aftermarket salesperson necessarily. They don't want to. Yeah. They don't want to spend six hours in a dealership. They want. Mm. They want. They want us to gravitate to how they want to do it. Yeah. Well, they want. Reality is, they want to be treated like human beings, right? Yeah. They want to. They want to. They want to have a genuine experience. Yeah. Um, they want to be able to connect with who, who's selling them the product. Now, I, I know that's not every customer. Like there is a proportion of customers that you know don't care about any of that. Um, and that's where, you know, I guess going back to, you know, why I, I, I'm not a big proponent of social media from that perspective is because I, I just don't feel like you're going to be able to genuine, generate any sort of genuine connection with somebody um, versus actually having that sit down, that, you know, call it old school, if you will, but, you know, that, that you know, as much as we shouldn't be shaking hands, like I still, I miss, hand, I miss, I miss shaking yeah. hands. Like, yeah, isn't that awkward? You know? I, I hate, just, yeah, I hate that. It's a, it's an awkward. You look him in the eye. You get, do you want to? Do you don't want to? It's, it's a yeah. real, it's a real funny thing at the moment. Do you, question for you: um, Do you feel like the way that we we hire people in the automotive industry has changed over, like you know, throughout your time at Automotive Town? I, I, I think. Well, I think it's one of those. Um, the way we hire people, I think, in general, has has been an evolution. Uh, I think the I think the good organisations, well, the best organisations out there, of course, are using businesses like ours. But mm. the the you know you think back to you think back to twenty twenty years ago, Seek Seek didn't exist twenty yep. years ago. So yep. you know if you wanted to look for, at a job opportunity, you had to wait for the newspaper on Wednesday or a Saturday. Yeah. Um, you know, where now and then and then obviously things like Seek and other job boards came along and, you know, the information was available to everyone twenty four hours, seven days a week. But you would say now that that's actually not effective really anymore, you know. Mm. Um and and I could say at this point in time, right now in in the predicament we're going through, like the it's no one's actually applying for jobs at the moment, which really? counterintuitively you would think that you know with everything going on 
that, you know, there's people that have been made redundant, they've been done this, they've done that. I could say the applications for roles have never been as low as what I've seen them right now. Really? Yeah. Okay. Because I, I think, yeah. yeah. And look, I, my, my, my thinking on it is maybe, maybe people are, um, you know, they, they might be happy, they might not be happy, but people are staying, you know, they're, they're staying, there's so much, there's so many variables going on in the world at the moment that maybe they want to keep something consistent, you mm. know, um, because, you know, I think the, the lesson we've learned out of this whole uh, pandemic exercise is that it's, you, you can't predict what's going to happen next week or next month, let alone, t- you know, tomorrow. So, yeah, yeah, but it's a, it's an interesting byproduct, and every everyone I say that to go, oh, I actually would have thought it would have been the op- op- opposite, you know. Yeah, but um, but yeah, and and I would say the the higher you go up, yeah, like as far as accountability, the thinner it is, the thinner on the ground it is. Mm-hmm. So okay. so yeah, it's a it's a it's a it's a I I I couldn't I wouldn't have predicted that, and I don't think anyone else could have either. Um, yeah. And and how did how did it all start? Like, what was the genesis of automated television? For me, I as a, for me, I wanted to be, I wanted to do, I wanted to do this whole, um, and I don't want to, I don't even like using the word recruitment because for mm. me, that's it's it, it's it, it's the same as running your fingers down a blackboard. But I I wanted to do this people thing differently. You know, mm. I in my time. I had experiences as a as a client, someone that signed off invoices for, um, you know, businesses that 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 recruited for for the industry and and also outside of it. And for me, for me, I felt it was like a a, a paperwork shuffling service. Mm. You know, it was a it's it's a it was a transaction. Yeah. And for me, people have never been a transaction. Mm. You know, and we've we've covered it off even today, you know, like, you know, when you have a relationship with someone and you give to that relationship, you, you give, if your if your mentality, and I think this is what, what we do, what I do and what our business does, if we give to that relationship irrespective of the outcome, so whether you financially benefit from that or not, yeah. you know, that for me is, putting enough good karma out there that the, when the train pulls back into the station, you know, you, you've, uh, you've, you've, you've contributed and you've done something good. And, um, and a lot of the time, you know, a lot of the time, yeah, look, obviously as a business, that's the value that the value that we add and the, and the clients that work with us, I think really get that about Mm. what we do. And sometimes they actually say we're too, we're too romantically involved in our candidates and stuff, but, (laughs) but, you know, for me, I don't think that's a bad thing. You know, like you, yeah. at the end of the day, our business is charged with lining up personalities as well as skill sets, as well as yeah. experiences. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's more than just a, it's more than a CV. It's, it's more than a psychometric test. It's more than a, you know, there's more to people than that. Yeah. So I guess, you know, I'm curious about this because, you know, I guess the, the way that I like to always, um, provide people with opportunities is to actually get them to, to, to work a day in the business as a trial and, and see what their fit is like. You know, it's not something that, that happens in corporate. It doesn't happen in no. majority of, in majority of probably automotive places. Yeah. You know, is that something that you think is, it would be a, 
a, a good way for the people to, to try the automated industry? I think, you know, I think for me, the way, the way we bring people into the business and the industry is, is probably going to be the greatest determining factor of whether that person's going to be successful or not at the other end of it. Like, you know, you, you only got to think of your own story to get that determination, you know, you know, if you think back, think back to the day, you know, you bring someone in and you go, all right, there's your desk, there's your phone. Um, yeah, the business cards, yeah, they're the old guy's business cards. Just cross out his name and write your name on it and phone number and you'll get your login. You'll get your logins for the computer in three, in a couple of days and it turns out to be three weeks. Um, and, you know, I, statistically, a person decides to move on from a role, ninety, I think it's 92% of the time, a person will move on from an employer well, at least if they leave that employment in the first six months, 92% of the time that decision is made in the first 72 hours of their employment. Really? Yeah, in the first three days. Yeah. So how you onboard someone, how you bring someone six into days. your environment, yep. how you bring someone into your environment is gives, well, you know, gives you, gives you the person the greatest chance of retaining that that person in the business and you mm-hmm. know the reason you pull the reason you say to a candidate or uh, a person hey we've spoken to plenty we've spoken to people and you're the person that we want you know inevitably someone has thought that about all of us over our journey hasn't it mm-hmm. you know like yep. and by by not by not introducing someone into the environment in a, in a way that's that I suppose drives that relationship and connection by not doing it, we're, we're setting them up to fail. Mm. And um, I guess, do you do any research in terms of why, why people leave their current employers? Absolutely. So what are the, what are the sort of common, common themes that you find? Like, is it related to uh, in workplace environment? Is it management? Is it people? You know, cause I, I was always a big proponent that people don't leave companies because Companies are actually people. They leave people. You know that we haven't. Whether it could be sometimes that we haven't provided the right framework or development for that individual. You might have the right opportunity. Um, or alternatively, you know, in, in, on the opposite end is that you know that person wasn't the right fit for it. Um, what, what do you find from what do the stats sort of say for you guys? Uh, I think it's I think it's around about seventy two or seventy three percent of the time a person will move on from. A business because of the person that they report to. Yeah. More than three quarters of the time. Yeah. You know, although the reason they might give is something along the lines of, hey, I'm going down the road and they're paying me this, or, you know, this is the, the reality is, there's a reality is there's always a reason why someone disconnects from you Mm. as a, as a manager. Yeah. And, you know, we, you know, coming back to what we we're talking about, the way people recruit, like you know, you you think about think about the days pre-internet where you had the newspaper ads. You know, you 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 know, if if as a manager, if if you had a if you had a um, if you disconnected from someone on a Wednesday on a, on a Thursday, for example, yeah. you know, you had a couple of days to repair that damage with the person where. Nowadays, uh, do you remember the old? There was an old Seek ad that 
um, Seek did a TV ad. Um, it's probably about ten years ago now. There was yeah. an ad. There was an ad when they just went to their mobile um, app, and there was an ad where I think it was a tradesman was grabbed his phone, went into the toilet, and started using the Seek ad applying for jobs. <laughs> yeah. do, you, do you remember that? Uh, it sounds um, familiar. Yep. Yeah. So you know, for me, you know, when the thing about the the thing about today is that. You could have if you if you have a conversation or if you disconnect from someone at any point in time in your business now, twenty four hours, seven days a week, that that person has the ability to look for their next job mm. right then and there. Yeah. So, you know the 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 want to be connected to your people and to be engaged with your people and then being engaged with you has never been so important, even though it's always mm. been important it's yeah. it's never been so important as as right now but yeah, yeah, yeah more yeah. often than not more often than not it's yeah it's it's generally the person that they report to is the reasons why they they yeah. get disconnected to get to begin with and then start looking at other opportunities yeah yeah and okay and then i think i was just thinking about this like the other thing i think as an industry we don't we don't do well is so as an example, let's say we have a, a an entry level employee, whether it's an apprentice or a, a parts interpreter or a salesperson, right? Like so, one of those, or even let's say receptionist or something like that. You know, I, I think one of the things that we we don't do well um, across the industry is we don't provide that person with opportunities to actually experience the other departments in the business. You know, we sort of pigeonhole people from 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 the get go that. You know, if you start in service, well, then the likely transition is going to be from apprentice to mechanic, mechanic to maybe a service advisor, and then, you know, before you know it, they're, they're a service manager who has had, you know, zero experience in, in terms of sales. Yes. Um, you know, I think, you know, uh, that sort of holistic um, experience is, is very difficult um, to find, you know. Um, so I had the reverse, you know, obviously I was fortunate enough to start in the service business and I was fortunate enough to get that corporate experience and through corporate that exposed me to a whole bunch of different departments. Um, so that when I came back out to the dealerships, like, you know, I think one of the other reasons why I became more effective, um, you know, at um, when I was at Mercedes versus Holden was that I did take that step back and um, made sure that I mastered the, the craft of selling. You know, yes. um, I think without that step, I probably wouldn't be as good of an operator now. Um, because it was always one of those things that I think when you have that uh, in your own mind, in, you, you might actually have the ability, but in your mind, you, you, you still treat it as like it's a chink in your armour and you want to do everything to overcompensate for that, Yeah. right? Um, I, I don't know how we address that, you know, as, a, as an industry because obviously pay plans and all that sort of stuff is, is different. But have you ha ever, do you, do you come across many candidates who, who turn around and say, look, I've had experience in this department, but I really want to get into this area. Absolutely. Yeah, all the time. Oh. Yeah, I think there's, you know, I think one thing that Toyota, and, you know, you've experienced this yourself, Toyota corporate are very good at, you know, uh, are very good at saying, okay, this is your job now, but yeah. it's only going to last for two years and then we're going to yeah. move you on. We don't care yeah. whether you want to move or not. You're moving yeah. on. So. Yeah it is kind of factored in the DNA of the business from the outset, isn't it? You know, like yeah. your customer experience, people jump to sales and then they jump to product planning and then they might, you know, all over the place. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I think I think at a dealership level, it's you know the I think the the, the I think the great businesses have the strongest connection to their people from what they want to do. You know, like mm-hmm. you know normally normally I think in 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 a retail, if you're thinking about a stereotypical dealership environment, you know. Does every does every business out there do performance appraisals for their people? You know, do mm-hmm. they is there a formalized structure that they sit down once every twelve months, once every six months? You know, some some don't do that at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the and then the 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 businesses that are a little bit more maybe corporate and and do it and and perform these tasks are they are they done because they have to or done because they want to? Yeah, you know, there's there needs to be that authenticity. I think I think for me, um, for me, getting having a re, having a relationship and getting to understand what your people want to do is something that you can't talk about once or twice a year. It's got to be yeah. more often than that, and yeah. it doesn't have to be a formal conversation. It ha, it yeah. can be a it can be sitting in your sitting around your meeting room sharing a cup of tea. It doesn't. Yeah. It, yep. it it needs to be that real situational, ongoing type of conversation. But yep. I've got a I've got a client of mine that um, that's got a great onboarding system for their for their for their dealership, and they they've got a they've got basically a six week program, irrespective of irrespective of what you're doing and who you are. Yep. They they put everyone through the same program where there's a formalized onboarding process. You know, you sit you sit in you. You spend time with the with the leaders of the business. You get an understanding of what the what the business is all about. But there's a six six week plan where you know if that person is hired as a salesperson, they don't go to the sales floor. They mm-hmm. go they go spend time in the service department and getting a feel for that. They go spend time in admin. They go to accounts. They go to PD. They experience other departments so that they can really get their eye in and then. Eventually, they'll get to sit in their sales chair because, you know, they want they want the business to be a complete holistic business, and not a you know not, a, not, yeah. not silos within the within these organisations. And that's you know, if you think back to the day, that was you know, it was always a sales versus service versus parts versus yeah. admin battle to the battle of the fittest. You know, yeah. um, that's right. Who had the biggest personality? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who can who yeah, who can uh, who can who can yell the loudest and the longest? Yeah. But no, uh, yeah. but yeah, it takes it takes the village to raise the child these days, isn't it? You know, when you mm-hmm. when you think about when you think about net return on businesses, you know, being in very low single digits, mm-hmm. you you don't have to be too far off your game. Yeah. To to be to be you know. Having a better re- well, you know, most most of the time, I think at the moment you have a better return if you had the money in the bank anyway. But that's not the way we look at it, is it? So, yeah, yeah, it's an it's an interesting it's an interesting environment, mate. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I always um whenever I talk about you know dealership culture, you know, I always love talking about the five monkeys, the the five monkeys in the cage. You know, you put the, hang the bananas at the top and put a ladder in there, and then whenever any of the monkeys go for the go for the bananas, they all get sprayed with the water cannon. Yeah. Until they all stop going for it, and then yeah. you know they replace one of the monkeys, and this yeah. monkey gets in the cage and he looks at the other four monkeys and he goes, "Look at these idiots! I'm going to go get them bananas," and then he yeah. tries to climb up and get the bananas, and the rest of the other four monkeys pull him down yeah. until he gives up 
and they they go through and they start replacing the next monkey and the next monkey and the next monkey until four or five monkeys are in there. None of them go for the bananas, but none of them know why. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you think? I, I and you know I've been something that I've been, um, uh, you know, beating the drum over for you know for a long time now is that I think for the industry needs to change. We need to change. You know, mm. and, and I think you know for for me. I would suggest that we would have a different outcome where at a starting point, if if we remunerated our people differently, we would drive a different outcome. Mm. You know, right now, right now the, st- the stereotypical um, model is an if and then model, isn't it? If you, you know, if you do this, then you get this. Yeah. Where that drives a particular behaviour pathway. Yeah. But I would I would say you could argue that that behaviour pathway isn't right. Yeah, well, it's valuing the you're, you're valuing the result over everything else, right? Um, one of the things that I, I picked up from from watching another guy's uh, management videos was he was talking about you know how he he sort of looks at his employees and and, and ranks them based on on three things. Um, he looks at them, you know, how, how loyal are they to him and his cause? You know, um, how do they work with their with their colleagues and, and I guess what their level of harmony in the workplace is? And then the third thing is is the result. And, you know, the guys that have all three, if they're loyal to your cause, they work well in a team and they get you the result, well, they're the guys that you have flagged for, you know, as your future leaders of that business. Um, generally, you know, the guys who only have two, well, you know, if the guy's loyal, uh, he works well in a team, but he doesn't get you in a result, well, chances are he's in the wrong spot, mm. right? Um, if he's loyal and he gets you a result, but he doesn't work well with others, well, he's not going to be able to ever command a team, right? He's, he's just going to be your, your, your trooper on the floor. Um, if, he, if he works well in a team and he gets you a result, but he's not loyal, well, the moment he gets a better offer, he's going to be out the door, Yeah. right? Um so, so you know, if you, you, it's, I, I really like that because you know, it gives me a different way to sort of cut cut my employees and have a look at my employees and go, okay, how do you stack up against these criteria? You know, um, what what's my direction for this person? How do I get the most out of this person? Make them feel like they're getting the most out of themselves as well, because you know, uh, we, we've all heard it before. We don't we don't come to work to do a shit job. We come to work to to enjoy ourselves. You know, get a great result. Yeah, so, absolutely. You know, um, our, our 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 roles as I guess leaders in the automotive industry is to to be the enablers of that. You know, make it as easy as possible for those people and remove some of those roadblocks. Um, yeah, that's how I view it. <laughs> yeah, no, I think it, I think it's actually um, yeah, I think I I think it's very insightful. I I, I uh, couldn't have put it better myself. You know, I think as you say, inevitably people. When when your team member jumps out of bed in the morning, they're thinking that they don't want to jump. They don't want to go. They they don't want to go to work and do a, a bad job by Johnny. Yeah. They they want to do the best. They want to be the best version of themselves that they can be and, and get the best result for yeah. for you and the business. Yeah. So, you know when when someone disconnects when when the day comes when someone disconnects from you and they, they start thinking there they. They that that's the day they start looking for other opportunities and and moving on to other pastures. So yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. 
What do you want? What do you want your legacy to be? I think we've covered a little bit of this off, but you know, ultimately, if you encapsulate it into a nutshell, what would you like your legacy to be in this? In this, obviously, you know, from a professional viewpoint, anyway, what would what would you like? What would you like them to eulogise about you, Johnny? I I don't really think about that. You know, um, you, I think at the end of the day. Your legacy is what you leave with other people. Um, so if you were, yeah, it's, it, I've never really thought about, you know, you know, the day that I'm not here, what do I want people to say say about me? I, I actually, honestly, I've, I've never really pondered it for any particular um, length of time. Um, I think that the reason for that is because, you know, um, Going back to, you know, when, when I started at HG, you know, I had this goal in my head that I wanted to be a, a DP. And uh, I thought, you know, I'll, I'll be at HG for about four years before I get that opportunity. Uh, I'll be 32. You know, I had this idea painted in my head that this was the way it was going to be. Um, and then when I got that opportunity and, and, and Chad gave me that opportunity, I actually was lost. Um, I remember saying it to my, my um, well, my now wife, but my girlfriend at the time, I was like, you know, I didn't think I would get there for another four years and, and now I'm here. Yeah. And then I felt like, you know, it, it, it almost sounds horrible to say, but did I sell myself short? You know, because um, I didn't, you know, all, all throughout my career up until that point, I always had always had an idea what the next step was. And yes. then it was almost scary because for the first time in my life, I didn't know what the next step was. Um, and so now I've, I've sort of come to this, point where I don't know what the next step is to be honest it doesn't bother me right I, I actually just want to enjoy the journey uh, I, I, I you know um, I come to work every day um, invested you know invest in my people invested in the business um, because I'm actually you know I, I, I'm passionate about it. I enjoy I'm enjoying it you know and there has been times in my career and I think everybody can attest that there's been times in your career where you don't enjoy it yeah absolutely and, yeah, and the and the days that you know when when I think back on those days, I go, well, yeah, I, like I I might not have enjoyed it because of the people or the conditions or whatever the case may be. So, you know, you've got a conscious decision to make. And the conscious decision is, well, if you're not enjoying it, well, then chances are you shouldn't be doing it. Yeah. Right. Because you know life's short. Um, you know, um, some people you know um, cut their lives short, and um, as a result of that, you know, um, I don't want to spend days doing things that I don't enjoy. Um, and so, yeah, so if anything, then I guess, you know, I'm just going to stay focused on, on doing the best that I can day in, day out to enjoy myself, have a bit of fun, you know, um, help as many people as I can. And um, whatever, whatever happens anyway after, it doesn't, doesn't really matter to me because I'm gone. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But I think ultimately, you know, I think, yeah, it, I think for me it's about making it's about it's about being happy in yourself isn't it you know yeah. ha happiness isn't defined yeah. by a job title or a, a you know a, a remuneration package or you know any anything else it's about being comfortable in yourself knowing that you've um you know you've you've added you've added to people over the time and you know when it is your time to move on whether it's physically or metaphorically you know it was a the environment or the world was a better place for you being there and you were happy when you were doing it yeah 
Well, then that's right. So, you know, I think people should be chasing the things that they, they want to chase, right? doesn't mean that it has to take away from something else, right? Just because I, I, I'm still ultimate, you know, ultimately passionate about martial arts. But just because I'm passionate about martial arts doesn't mean that it has to take away from my passion for the automotive industry. Yeah. You can you can have your cake and eat it too. Um, it does, yeah, that, that might mean that I, I sacrifice in other aspects of my life to 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 um, to get what I want out of those things. Um, but at the end of the day, only only you as the individual can decide which sacrifices are are, are worth it. Mm. But you know, if you're not if you're not if it's not worth sacrificing something for, then it's not worth doing. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, on that note, Johnny, I I've really enjoyed. I was looking forward to this conversation, and I can say, mate, I'm, I'm, I, you didn't disappoint from my perspective, and hopefully you feel the <laughs> same. So, um, thanks yeah. for, thanks for your contribution, and I'm sure I'm sure our, our listeners both are going to get a bit out of this. So, I appreciate your time, my friend. Yep. Yep. No, no dramas. Um, if people want to um, uh, listen to any of my podcasts. Um, it's, uh, I think you just got to look up Johnny Yaps. So my full name plus an S on the end. Um, and then uh, I'm on Instagram as well. Um, I don't really do much apart from post podcast episodes. So um, yeah, so Johnny Yaps on Instagram. Um, you can, if you want to find me, I'm at MacArthur BMW. And yeah, I'm always looking for people. <laughs> well, people. I, I, can, I know someone that might be able to help you out with that, Johnny. <laughs> Thank you, Cameron. Thank you for having me on. Really appreciate it. Appreciate your time too, mate. All the best. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the podcast, wherever you are and whatever you're doing. If you're interested in learning more about how automotive talent can add value for you or your business, please make contact through the link in the show notes. Until next time, take care and happy trading.